Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to People Add Value Experience. We have some terrific guests on today, Carly and Rihanna. Yes, I got it right. <laughs> um, I met both of them as I was getting some artwork done for my arms, and they own an amazing business called Mercy Tattoo. So I'd like to take a couple of seconds and have them just discuss a little bit about their background because we're going to discuss that. Then we're going to get into how they decided to open a business, how they utilized their social and marketing skills, and then their customer acquisitions and their repeat customers and so on. And we're really going to dig into the tattoo industry and find out what it's like, not only back in the day to have apprenticeship, but also to be a female in the tattoo industry. So I'll pass it over to y'all lovely ladies to give a little bit about your background. Do you want to go first or would you like me to go first? You go ahead. Okay. My name is Rihanna McCormick. I live in Destin, Florida. I've been tattooing for 13 years now, and we own our own tattoo studio in Miramar Beach, Florida. And so far, it's been awesome. I almost cussed. Am I allowed to cuss? Yeah, we'll let it free flow. Okay. That's fine. You have a beep button, right? I do. Okay. I don't remember okay, which cool. one it is, though. There it is. Nice. <laughs> you might need that a few times. <laughs> I'll just have my finger here the whole time. Yeah. Are you done with your intro? I mean, yeah, I don't know what else to say. We got we got a lot to go over, so I'll keep it short and sweet for now. I'm Carly Weddington. Um, I live in Miramar Beach, Florida. Grew up around the area. Rihanna and I are sisters. Whoa. I'm the oldest. We get asked that a lot. Who's the oldest? It's me. I'm the big sister, but she's, she's the yeah, she's now the big sister, but I'm still the oldest. But uh uh, yeah, I've been living in the area pretty much our whole lives. Um, this is home. This is where we're probably always going to be. So it was time to put down some business roots here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Some business roots. Yes. That's pretty fascinating. So I know that, you know, from, an, from a sense, a lot of people say, oh, wow, I could never do business with my family. So was there, has there been a lot of like conflict, deconflict, resolution, and then going back to a conflict and then having to come to another resolution or how does that go? Has it, has it, have you finally gotten to a place where it's like, okay, we're in the comfort zone for a little bit. Was that initial startup a little rough? Uh, actually, no, I think it was a big concern for our parents. Um, they had seen, you know, my dad or whoever else doing business with family and it goes downhill and they just were nervous that that was going to happen to Rihanna and I, but, uh, that really wasn't a concern of mine. No, well, I don't think either. it was for you either. No. Um, I mean, we're about four years apart. So growing up, of course we would fight a little bit, but really we're best friends. So, um, the, and I wouldn't even say we've had a lot of conflict since opening the business. I mean, we know how to communicate with each other really well. I'm probably one of the few people that she'll actually listen to. 
That is so. (laughs) Well, I think because growing up together, we know how to handle each other. Mm -hmm. And because we have that sisterly love, like we don't want to stay in conflict long. You know what I mean? Like we always want to just resolve it. And I think that is like a great basis for us working together, too, because then the business doesn't suffer from our personal, you know, shit. It's like, let's get back on track. Let's right. be happy together. And let's make every, sure everyone that comes into this building is super happy with us. Right. Well, that's an awesome focus to have that you're able to understand that at the end of the day, right? That it is about the business. And mm-hmm. that if you continue to conflict, then that can actually potentially affect negatively mm-hmm. oh, for sure. uh, the business instance. So Car- I'm just curious, Carly. So we know Rihanna, <laughs> <laughs> tattoo artist, her, you know, her background discussed, but what about, what about you, your background? Like, I don't know very much about your background. Uh, well, I did a little bit of college, but you know, I didn't finish. I don't have a degree. Um, I went more of the family life. I got married, um, have two boys. I was stay at home mom, just raising the kids, but now they're older now they're at school and kind of the timing just aligned for things going on in Rihanna's life and things going on in my life for us to kind of merge and come together to help each other with starting a business. But I was just all family life up until then. Yeah. Have you found that it's a little like with that lifestyle, right? Cause there's like, so for the military and the military wives, right? Constantly having to move. And then also, like you said, the family side of the house with having a lot of kids and dealing with all that. Have you found that having that sort of like, I guess I'm going to assume flexibility, right? Some, cause you're not, you don't have to physically be present, right. With what you do right. to, to do that. Is, is that like, did that allow like, Hey, I can continue the family life at the quality and time that I want to do and then still help accomplish, you know, um, a partnership for a successful business for sure. Yeah, for sure. Cause I was, um, I homeschooled. So, and I was still homeschooling oh, wow. when we started the business. So yeah, I was at home doing that with the kids and doing what I needed to do for mercy at the same time. Luckily I could be mobile. We're in the age of working mobily. So, right. um, so that worked out great for me and it still does. Now I can come and go run errands, um, be out of town, but still be uh, available for the artist if they need me. So, so definitively, what is your title and mercy tattoo? Do you have like an official title? Do I have a title? Manager. (laughs) Well, I mean, I definitely, I always tell people like my sister and I own this together. She Mm -hmm. is an owner. Um, but I use the tattoo term gatekeeper. Mm. That's what we've always called this job description Mm -hmm. in the industry the person who you have to get through to get to the artist the person you have to email or call or get on their good side otherwise you ain't getting shit you know what i mean so carly's the gatekeeper yeah it's super interesting that you that you said that like hey it's like i'm always about the family support system because i find it interesting whether that's a marriage thing or whether that's a business thing or schooling thing so it's interesting that there was concern, right? Like you said, your dad had some business with some family members that didn't go so well. And then, so how did they, how did they, how did the family and y'all overcome that? How did y'all get to the next point and say, was it just proof in the pudding? Like, you're like, okay, thanks for your input, but we're going to start anyways and just go forward. And now you're successful and you're like, okay, yeah, we, we did it. Or- oh yeah, pretty much. We were like, <laughs> like, like we appreciate the, you know, the concern and everything yeah. and we get where this is coming from, but we're kind of going to do it anyways. You know what I mean? (laughs) And like with any business venture, I think that there's going to be problems, but Mm -hmm. it's like, we're not going to let 
the fear of, oh, what if something happens? Stop us from doing this. You know what I mean? If something happens, we'll figure it out as we go. But we knew like starting that there wasn't going to be this huge fallout and our family was going to see us on Judge Judy, like fighting over the bit, you know what I mean? Like we knew it was never going to get to that point. Like if anything, it's just, well, I disagree with you. You know what I mean? Right. On to the next. Mm -hmm. And really that's how we are. It's like, well, I don't see it that way. All right, cool. (laughs) So how, how long ago did this actually like start to come to fruition? How long ago? I'd say 2019. It's when the wheels started turning. Yeah. Yeah. How did that, that conversation right. take place? Like, where were y'all? Were you on the phone? You just like eating dinner together somewhere? I, well, I think it's always something that had been brought up. Like, you know, one day I really wasn't involved in it, but uh, yet, but you know, she would say like, you know, one day I'll have my own studio. And, you know, I'd love to be my own boss. Just, I think a lot of people who work for someone else have, has that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be something that would be brought up. But then it was just kind of like stars aligning, you know? Yeah. In 2019, I actually was in another like kind of unhealthy work environment again. And I was getting close to 30 years old and it was like, man, you know, like I just can't find the right place for me. Right. And if I did things my way, this is how I would do it. And this is what I would do. And this is what I wouldn't do. And Mm. you know what I mean? And I think... Probably because of my age, I really was ready to settle down. I think right after I learned how to tattoo, my dad was very pushy to like, you need, you know, American dream, be your own boss. And one day when, and I'm like, I'm not ready yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready yet. I'm too young. I don't want to have to take work home. I love just like coming in, doing my job and leaving. But, you know, I was, how long had I been tattooing by 2019? A while, long enough that I was just like, I can't keep hunting for the right situation. I think I'm going to have to create it for myself. Yeah. And uh, Carly's husband, Josh is actually a realtor. Oh, wow. And he really backed me in this idea as well and started kind of looking at places for us to have a studio Mm -hmm. in the area that we were looking for. And, you know, everybody was just kind of chipping in. Our parents were giving us ideas. Josh was looking at property. Carly's coming up with ideas. I'm making a list of things. And it's like she said, I mean, it really was like the perfect timing for everyone. Everything just aligned so perfect. It seemed like so the we're seed, meant to do this. The seed was planted a long time ago, but now like it was just sort of the environment with mm-hmm. the water and the sun. And then it started to peak up and you're like, boom, this is the time. Right. Yeah. And so how hard was it to convince Carly to jump on board with you? Oh, not at all. I think like even in the beginning of just like planning, like how would we do this and how we would do that? And it's like, well, Carly, you know, are you busy? Could you, <laughs> would you be interested? And she's like, I mean, you know, I'm really busy, but yeah, yeah, let's, you know, it really was one of those things that it, we just kind of made it up as we went. Like everyone mm. just agreed and just we'll find a way to make it work. Right. And we're still doing that to this day. I mean, we're still just, cause these things don't come with instruction nope. manuals. Nope. You know what I mean? You just, people always say it's so hard to own your own business and you're like, I know, but you don't know until you're doing it and you right. get in there and you just, you know, every day you just learn and make improvements. And I think they made made a song every day. I'm hustling, right? That's something like that. That's basically, so it's funny. I've had some other entrepreneurs on and they say the same thing, right? It's, it's literally year by year, if not month by month, um, because there's seasonal trends and all those. I mean, so it could be typically week by week, month by month. So it's interesting to hear, right? So I think like every industry 
goes through that, right? There's no like set in stone, this, whatever, because the demographic, the the environment, whatever else is just so different where you're at. And then, like you said, real estate based. So is mm-hmm. it like an entire building? Is it part of a building? All these things come into play, right? So, and then the spacing, you know, do I want a big uh, venue space or do I want something smaller? All of that stuff comes into play because then it would be really interesting if you want to have, like, I would consider it a boutique, boutique, right? Like yeah. you guys have a boutique. Mm-hmm. It's not like a run on the mill, just come in, whatever, um, place is like you get this big place, but then you have like four people in this big place. You're like, Oh shoot, how are we going to fill the rest of the space? Right. It's like trying to compensate or like, what, what do I do to make that happen? I think y'all's the size of your current location is fantastic. It's tiny, but it's home. We make it work. You know, I, we definitely didn't want to bite off more than we could chew in the beginning. And I'm glad that we didn't cause we opened right before a pandemic. Uh, so, but a small private, very personal studio is what we were going for. I mean, we do, I think both of us have dreams of hopefully expanding one day, having a little bit more room, but it's, it's so good the way it is now. It's just, you know, keep having goals. I think that's the key and having a successful business is not letting yourself like plateau Yep, is -hmm. to constantly just, you know, one day we're going to have this one day, we're going to have apparel one day, we're going to have piercing one day. You know what I mean? It's just keep, keep dreaming, keep reaching. Still waiting on the shirt. So, hey, yeah. hey. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's very interesting because I, I do like uh, one of the things I always judge a good business off of is the bathrooms. And you're like <laughs> one of the very few bathrooms. I'm like, if I really needed to go number two, I'd feel comfortable in here. I love our bathroom. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to like <laughs> and then put something down and like, oh, my God, I have to like block the door with my foot. You know, oh, yeah. like it's a very clean. Um, there's some funny little joke things on the wall. Oh, yeah. A lot of like, I mean, what was there? I think there's like lotion, cologne, like you have a nice yeah. little shelf of feminine amenity. products and mints yes. in there. Like, mints, oh yeah. my gosh, every single bathroom and every single tattoo shop I've ever worked at or been in, I always hated it. It mm-hmm. gave me the creeps, mm-hmm. like the crack at the doors, huge, <laughs> or like it's Is that really someone's whole foot coming there. underneath? Yeah, like- <laughs> I mean, just like I always hated tattoo bathrooms, and I'm like, uh, when I have a place of my own, yeah. I'm going to have the nicest, prettiest, most inviting bathroom of all time. And I do, I get compliments on the bathroom yeah. a lot. Because sometimes people are there for a long time. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. a legit long time. Uh, and so like, it's, yeah. it's nice to have, Hey, I need to, and you're like, Oh man, is this going to be one of those? I got to pinch my nose. And no, you're like, Oh man, this is actually quite nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's funny. You said that there's, there's been a few people now who's like, I got to see the bathroom first yeah before i what? book an appointment with this place they've like heard that the bathroom's nice oh. i even had a client one time actually during a consultation asked to use the restroom she came back out we finished setting up her, her appointment when she came in for her tattoo she actually told me that she had an uncle that was in the tattoo industry he lived out on the west coast but she was asking his advice on how to pick an artist how to pick a shop and he said check the bathroom he said, if they take care of their bathroom, you know, they're taking care wow. of, of their station. And yeah. she, she's wow. like, I didn't even have to use the bathroom. I just, <laughs> I just Legit? wanted to check it. And wow. she was like, it was so nice. That's I'm crazy. Like, no <laughs> way. Oh yeah. How funny. Okay. I'm glad I'm not the only person. Then. It's, a, <laughs> it's a whole industry thing. Yes. Okay, good. Fantastic. Fantastic. So Rihanna. Yes. Okay. You're nailing it. You're oh, getting it. It's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. So how, how did you get into tattooing? Like how, like what sparked the idea of like, Hey, I want to become a tattoo artist. So I had always been an artist from the time I was a little kid, whether I was drawing, sculpting, clay, painting, whatever, always artsy fartsy. So obviously I carried that into college. At first I started, um, I started college trying to learn how to do graphic design. 
Uh, I did one semester of that and I absolutely hated it. I hated sitting at a computer all day. I did not feel creative at all. So I switched my major to fine arts. Uh, that was more hands-on, loved it. But to finish my degree in that, they told me I would have to, you know, move to a major university, invest a lot more money and time. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this piece of paper when I'm done? Mm. And probably around college is when I started you know, I was starting to get tattooed and being the artist in my group of friends, I was drawing stuff for them. I had drawn designs for our parents. And so probably towards the end of college with me thinking like, how, how can I be an artist and make a living? All right. Huh? I wonder if I could actually do the finished product of this. I've been drawing these tattoos. It seems like a cool thing to do. So I really started picking the brain of the girl that was doing my tattoos at the time. And I mean, I get it now that I'm a tattoo artist. People ask you all the time, like, how do you do this? Seems like a cool thing. Maybe I could do it. And it's like, yeah, you know, fuck off. I'm not telling you <laughs> shit, you know? Right. But, um, but she entertained me and I probably bugged her for about a year or two. And finally, I just showed up at her shop one night and was like, please, like, please teach me. This is what I want to do. Please take me under your wing. And she was like, you know what? You got some skill. Let's give it a shot. And the rest... The rest is history. Wow. Wow. It's great. Cause that was a great transition. Cause I do want to ask, I do want to ask about apprenticeship and like in the tattoo industry. So did, did I miss anything in the background? You guys good on the background? Yeah. Good. Okay. So yeah, I, I'd really like to, I'm very curious about the apprenticeship because I know that's, that's sort of a, depending on who you talk to, right. The, the trend is, is I'm not going to say going away, but mm -hmm. people are sort of jumping into it without necessarily understanding the importance and what it is rather or unless you watch it, you know, like one of the old ink masters or something, um, those kind of shows still had that. I forgot that. What was this guy's name? Yogi. I can't remember the one dude's name. It was like, he like, I don't remember his name. I, I can't remember. I think it, I know. Uh, I think I know who you're trying to talk about. Did he have a shaved head? It's like younger. Uh, yeah. He was. Yeah. It, well, it was like, I want to say it felt like it was like three seasons. This guy was an apprentice, man. I mean, it was oh, like geez, yeah. leaning in the shop the whole time. Never really, you know, and yeah. then they're like, here's an orange and you know, like that. You're like, is he an apprentice or is he a slave? I'm just this saying, poor guy. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. So tell us about your experience. So was this the same lady that you became an apprentice under the lady that you're referring to or no? Yes. So, um, all apprenticeships are different and apprenticeships back in the day when I had mine are even very different than what they are now. Um, my experience, so I went, her name was Sandy Dixon. That was my mentor. Uh, I went to her. It was a family-owned shop. Her parents owned the shop, so I had to have a sit-down with them. I brought my portfolio from college, let them see, you know, that I could draw and things like that, sit down, and they kind of decide if they're going to let you into their house and and pretty much end up training their competition. That's why it's so hard to get an apprenticeship is because you're giving these people knowledge that they're more than likely going to take somewhere else. Cause that's just the nature of the beast is to move on and grow and potentially have your own place one day. So it, it's very hard to get someone interested in you in the beginning. Um, but like I said, I, you know, I think I had a pretty strong artistic background, so that caught their eye. And um, I was very polite and very eager, which you have to be. You can't go in there and be like, so I don't know anything about this, but I want to specialize in this by year two. Like, you can't walk into an apprenticeship and call the shots. Mm -hmm. um, you have to do whatever is required of you. So pretty much it's just shadowing in the beginning, watching your mentor a lot, learning cross-contamination, learning how to clean, learning your equipment. I had to learn how to build machines, take them apart, how to fix them. Um, I had to learn needles, how they work, 
inks, how they work. Um, and then they finally get you started, you know, working on some people. And it's funny because people ask you in the be beginning, you know, what do you practice on? Oh, maybe a grapefruit, you know, if you're lucky, maybe some, uh, fake skin. If you really got some money, which as an apprentice, you don't because you're paying for the information that you're learning and you're in the shop pretty much working for free. I mean, you're paying them to work. So them. did you have to do any of that, like take out the garbage, clean the shop, clean the oh, stations and all that? Absolutely. I had to learn how to answer the phone, work the front, take the trash out, mop, you know, I mean, all the, like I said, anything they ask of you, mm -hmm. you do it. You do it. So I, I'm very curious because I know uh, Dave who did my tattoos, he's very big into like skincare and like health. And so at what point do you actually have to like, cause you learn all of it, right? You're sitting in doing all the job training and apprenticeship. Um, at what point do you actually have to go like take a test or whatever to get certified? Is that, is that I'm assuming before, right? You jump on people or whatever. And is that difficult to do to go actually take that, that test? Uh, it's, it's more a punishment of your time than it is difficult. Actually, they didn't require a tattoo artist to be licensed. When I first started tattooing, it was probably about three years in. And at the time you would go to the health department and it's about a three hour course where they teach you cross-contamination, things like that. Um, what to look out for on skin infections versus eczema versus, you know, uh, allergic reaction, just, you know, a rundown of that. Then you take a, a test at the end. I think you only have to make like a 75 pass it. <laughs> I Everyone think now is like, I don't know. I think it's really, really low. Um, thank God. But uh, yeah, you pass, you pass the course, you get your license. And in the state of Florida, you just have to send in some money every year to renew your license. You don't have to retake the test or anything, yeah. but you do uh, your shop gets inspected by the health department every single year. And they make sure that, you know, you guys are keeping proper records that you have the right, um, disinfectants in the shop that you're offering aftercare, like all that type of stuff. Was there any, I, I'm always curious, is, was there any like surprises from the medical side? So like you're going through all this training and you're learning about the cross contamination or whatever else, which I mean, assumingly you're like, okay, don't like touch something and then touch right open skin with the wound. But was there anything else you felt so, like, I don't know, like, oh, that's interesting or, or surprised about when you're going through that training? Um, you would be surprised at how much shit you need to touch that you can't. You know, like you, you think it's really easy at first, but you'll go through like, I don't know, 10 pairs of gloves sometimes during one tattoo. Cause it's like, oh, I already gloved up. Now I got to take it off because I need to touch this. Or now I need to go grab that. And it's just like, dang it. But it is during the training. Um, I definitely, I've always been a little bit of a, I don't want to say a germaphobe, but mm. neat a clean, freak. neat freak. Um, but once I took that course, I'm definitely extremely disgusted by mm. human beings. I definitely like my, <laughs> my germophobia has gone up. Like I can't even watch movies now and see people like it sprayed in the face with blood without being like, AIDS, AIDS, <laughs> uh, uh, like, so, yeah. So Carly, so you know this because you end up having to buy all the disinfectants and the paper towels and the saran wrap and all that stuff that goes with the shop, right? From a logistics yes. standpoint. Yep. Oh, yep. Lots yeah. of paper towels. Oh my gosh. So many paper towels. So many paper towels. <laughs> I mean, you know, if anything were ever happened, at least you have like a backstock. We need yeah. to buy paper stock and paper towels. We do. We go That's... through them so much. <laughs> <laughs> Bounty's listening. Reach out. We <laughs> <laughs> sponsor us, Bounty. <laughs> yeah. So when you're going through the apprenticeship, um, how long did that take to actually have to go through the apprenticeship portion? 
Every apprenticeship is different. I think a lot of it depends on the apprentice themselves and how quickly they pick things up. Mine was actually extremely fast. Uh, I was only an apprentice for about six months before they let me off the leash and had me on paying clients. Um, I think that was also because we were short staffed at the time and it was kind of one of those like sink or swim situations mm -hmm. like, well, we need a tattoo artist. So either you're going to learn how to do this or you're going to die. Um, <laughs> but I would say on average, most apprenticeships last anywhere between like a year to two years Wow. on average. And this is like, so you're not making money at that time, right? During your apprenticeship? Yeah. No. And you're, in fact, you're paying. You're paying the shop so it's like college, to be there right? and, like, and take their trash out. And yeah, exactly. And that's what's so frustrating nowadays with apprenticeships is kids seem so much more privileged and they kind of, you know, they want this apprenticeship. Then they come in and they're like, so what's the hourly pay? And it's like, I'm not paying you shit. You know, I'm paying you with knowledge. Like I'm about to give you a career, you know, right. do you go to your professors in college and say, so what are you going to pay me for the day? Right. It's a, it's a, I mean, right. It's, it's art, but it's almost like a trade, like carpentry or something else, right? Absolutely. Like yes. you, you can go to classes all day long, but until you're like with somebody and you know, back in the day, right. A lot of people, mm -hmm. yeah. Carpentry, electrician, electrician, all of those things, right. Same boat. I mean, I think now like quote unquote, an internship, you get something right. Just depending on the company or business or industry that you're in. But I, I mean, it makes sense to me is, is like, I'm going to a trade school, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want to pay to go to a trade school to learn. But not only that, but you're getting like one-on-one -on -one attention, which which is even better than going to a class because then there's like, you know, mm -hmm. 13, 20, 50, 60 people or whatever in a class. So, I mean, I think that's that's pretty important. It's interesting to hear that that's not like something that's, you know, done any longer or, or at least appreciated from, from people nowadays. Yeah. And tattooing to me is just so impressive because you can be very talented in other mediums, painting different kinds of drawing, but tattooing is just a whole other beast. It really I mean, you could is. have someone who's extremely talented at drawing, but when it comes to putting it on skin, it it's totally different. Yeah. yeah, I definitely, I mean, I think everyone, when you're learning something new, you know, it's hard, but uh, I definitely had a couple points in my apprenticeship where, I mean, you just go home crying because you're like, I'm a piece of shit. Like that tattoo was horrible. I've made a huge mistake. Like maybe I'm not cut out for this, but I think that's probably most careers that are challenging. You know what I mean? You're just like, man, it's a lot harder than I thought it was. Cause yeah, you go into it. Like I can draw, I'm an artist. Like it shouldn't take any time. And then you're like, huh, there's a reason why these people get paid so much money because not everybody can do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we appreciate it, right on the receiving end because Someone sure. could be a fantastic artist, but they don't know how to tattoo. You could literally just scar someone, you know mm, what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, depending on the depth of the needle and the speed and all. I mean, there's a lot to take oh, yeah. into consideration. So during factors. So during your apprenticeship, um, I, I'm curious because I think you had some, but like, do you have like two stories at least from your apprenticeship? Can you share any two, two stories? What kind of stories do you want? <laughs> She's got lots of stories. I mean, so I think that's like probably like a, a vital time, right? It's traumatic in a good and bad way of some of the things that, ha that happened during that time period, right? Cause that's sort of the new thing and you're working with people and it's like, you're super stressed out and you're right. like, Oh gosh. So like, I guess, you know, what, what was, I guess, let's say one happy or one good and one, uh, inter interesting, maybe not negative, but on the interesting side. So what was like, what was, we'll start with the interesting side and then we'll move to the good side. So what was like an interesting experience during your apprenticeship that you had? Like, like more on the dark side. More on the dark <laughs> side and an interesting experience. Huh. You know, 
Oh, not to get too dark. <laughs> <laughs> you asked. You did yeah, ask. Yeah, yeah, this is sure. pretty fucking dark, Brian. Yeah, sure. Okay. I um I was very young when I started my apprenticeship. I was only 20 years old. Any uh, work experience I had was in retail, which usually, you know, you're taught that the customer is always right and just smile and mm-hmm. and and go along with it. Um, so I actually, unfortunately, had my apprenticeship in a shop where there was an older man who ended up being pretty inappropriate with me. And, um, and he never did anything physical, but there was a lot of verbal mm. um, abuse there. And so that was very new to me. Mm-hmm. And but I'm kind of glad that it happened as early as it did in the way that it did. Cause it really readjusted me to be able to survive in that industry. Like some people are going to be terrible. Some people are going to be creeps. Some people are going to be at, you know what I mean? But you just, you cannot let them push you around. You have got to, you know, stand up for yourself cause nobody else will. There is no HR in the tattoo industry. There mm-hmm. is, you know what I mean? So that's kind of a, a darker kind of sad, like shitty part of the apprenticeship that I think unfortunately might've been very common, especially for females. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. kind of get abused a little ever so slightly, maybe because they're just trying to test to see how strong you are, what your boundaries are, but it happens in real life too. Yep. You know, you just got to check people. You just got to be like, you know what? This is the line. Don't cross it. Yeah. But you got to be tough too, you know, when you go into a male dominated industry and an industry that's a little rough around the edges, it's got some, some characters, you got to put your big girl panties on, embrace yourself because it's not always going to be easy. People aren't always going to be on your side right? or have your best interest. But, um, let's see, let's think of a happy memory. <laughs> let's see if I can think of a, a happy memory where I wasn't crying during my apprenticeship. Hmm. <laughs> um, No, I actually, I had a really, really good relationship with my mentor and I got really lucky with her. You know, I, I didn't get stuck doing any, um, crappy work, like walking her dogs or washing her car. The old school apprenticeships were kind of like that. Go get my food, go run my errands. Anything she made me do was always to teach me something about tattooing. And Mm -hmm. so she really kept an eye out for me and was very patient with me. So I was very, very fortunate to be able to shadow her. And we're actually still friends to this day. I actually just tattooed her, what, last week? No way, really? Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So me and her are still very, very close. So I'm fortunate that I got a really great friendship out of my apprenticeship. I was able to stay close with my mentor. Do you know of any tattoo artists in the industry like that you're familiar with that will still do or give an apprenticeship to someone? Oh, I think a lot of us are pretty burnt out. Like I said, this generation coming up is um, they're kind of wanting to skip to the end. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wants to learn how to tattoo, immediately become a specialist, become a big deal on TikTok and then retire in five years. And it's like, you know, it just it requires so much more than that. I've always said to like, be really good at tattooing. You have to love it. You have to be in love with it. You can't just like tattooing. It can't be your hobby or the way you pick. I mean, you have to be in love with tattooing Mm -hmm. for it to love you back. Yeah. So what I'm just, so I know you said no, but there's always, there's always a, but so like, what would somebody have to do? Like maybe you, maybe not you, right. But like people, you know, like, what would they have to do to get an apprenticeship? Like, how could they prove themselves to an artist now that has that mentality that's like, I'm burnt out. I don't want to deal with this. Like, every, you know, like the 98 people that came before you say this stuff. And then I've seen this, I've witnessed it. 
Um, some other people may have taken on people that had that same experience that it's like, I tried and then they just want to jump to the end. So what, how, how would somebody that's very interested and said, you know, like, I truly want to learn this and I love it. Like, and I want an apprenticeship. Like, I don't want to jump to the end. I want an apprenticeship. Like, what would they have to do or say to actually like prove that out to the artist with that kind of mentality? For me, I would have to see someone that is very adamant, somebody who's just so hungry that they won't stop asking me. I mean, that they're, they don't care if they're about to annoy me. They will not stop asking like that would show a lot because most people, I mean, we've had people walk into the shop that we've never tattooed them. We don't know who they are. They probably don't know who we are, but they're just popping in going, are you guys taking apprentices? No. Okay. And they leave. You're not hungry. You know what I mean? You haven't done your research. If someone came in and they were like, you know, I follow you online. I've seen your work. I want to learn how to tattoo like you. Here's what I'm capable of. Here are my sketches or whatever. Will you take me? No. If you came back next week, will you take me now? No. If he kept asking for two months, I'd probably be like, hmm, I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe have a sit down with this person. Mm. You know what I mean? And yeah. it, I think it's, it's the hunger. Cause like I said, you have to love it to be good at it. You can't just be interested in it. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Yeah. Persistence. I think in a lot of industries makes a big difference, you know, like, well, I mean, that could be just mentorship in general, not even apprenticeship, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people are like, Hey, mentor me. And then they just give up if they have the first no, or if they just never get a hold of somebody like via email or social media. I mean, there's other methods, right? Like, I mean, I'm not saying like stalk somebody, but I'm saying there's, there's other <laughs> methods to yeah. like, to be able to be like, Hey, listen, I, you know, I really appreciate what you do. And I really like, you know, like here's, here's my path that I'm giving myself. Here's the milestones I'm at now. Here's where I want to go mm -hmm. because there's a lot of um, companies that will offer like mentorship, right? Like for, for instance, if somebody wants to become, you know, like a, not a CEO, but maybe like a CFO or something like, Hey, I just want to be in the C-suite. I love numbers. I love accounting. Like how do I become like a famous CFO? And they look up somebody on LinkedIn and they try to start a conversation or, or they're, you know, write some letter, handwritten letters, by the way, that's what I was waiting for. Mm -hmm. Handwritten letters. Like some people appreciate that. Like, cause that is such a lost art. Like no one does that anymore. Yeah. And like, if you get something and also see so in my head, I was like, man, what would I do? Um, I'd be like, Hey, can I just like clean your shop? Like, like, let me show you, can I clean your shop for like however long until it takes? And then, and then maybe we can have a conversation or something. Right. Cause there's yeah. that acts of service, if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. Love language. Like, it's yes. that, that, yes. like, Hey, show me, like, show yeah. me you want this. Right. Like show me. And that's the thing because talk is cheap. Talk is cheap everywhere these days, but talk is especially cheap in the tattoo industry. It's like, show me, show me, show me you want it. Show me that, you know, this is really what you want to do and show me that you're going to be worth this investment because it's also hard on your mentor you know, to have to slow down, to explain everything to you all day, to make room for you to be in their station to, you know what I mean? It, it's, right. it's, you know, it's taxing on the mentor as well. Yeah. So Carly, as the big little sister, when she's going through the apprenticeship, did you hear any of these stories and experiences that she was having during this time? I did. Yeah. Um, I think I have mostly heard the crazy uh the tattoos that people would want or you know wanting their butts tattooed for spring break and <laughs> stuff like that so yeah she had to deal with that and get used to you know like oh yeah that's normal yeah <laughs> did like three butt tattoos today yeah. and you're like oh okay wow <laughs> oh yeah spring break man uh. <laughs> <laughs> give me what was it 
Give me three cherries that look like hearts. Oh, God, that's crazy. I'm so. <laughs> I've done all kinds of butt tattoos during spring break, man. It's crazy. It's it's funny because I haven't done a butt tattoo in a really long time, probably because of the type of studio we've created for ourselves. Well, I'm yeah, we like semi-retired from ass tattoos, but um, <laughs> uh, but man, oh, it was man, really it was my. You totally opened the door, by dude, the way. You was, know that right? it, it was <laughs> my <laughs> bread and butter back in the day, though. Like when you're, yeah, just now learning, and you're a pretty young girl, and it's spring break, and a shop that's open from noon to midnight you better start shaving some butt cheeks uh, yeah, or you work. know they're the other artists don't want to do it they're like oh, oh yeah the apprentice you have to do it yep yeah fantastic oh, yeah. so that's a that's a good lead-in because i do want to talk a little bit about sort of like the places you've worked before you, you worked because in your own company in your own place because a lot of people that are entrepreneurs have done that right they they get to the point um, my buddy logan same boy he's working somewhere and either they get let go or they're about to get let go or the, their leadership is just like so awful, you know, it's toxic. And they're like, I could do better. Right. And whether that's something that ends up evolving over time to a different industry, but you know, by chance or anything like that, but that's what happens. It's just like, I think I can do better. Like, I think I can do better and I'm willing to take that risk, which is the biggest thing is accepting that risk. A lot of people won't do it. Cause they're like, I can't, I, I don't know if I'm going to get the money. I don't know if I have that money to invest. I don't know if I have the support that's going to be very difficult to me. So when, after the apprenticeship, what was like your first job, like right after that, your official job? So I actually stayed at the shop that I learned at for about five years. I stayed there a very long time. Um, so that was my first job, first work experience in the, in the tattoo industry. Uh, it was, like I said, a family owned business, which after five years got pretty hard. I mm. kind of reached a point where I couldn't grow past it. You know, I knew one day I would never be given the keys to the kingdom. There's no chance for a management position there. They, right. you know, they had their family. Um, so I ended up moving to Orlando and I got a job working for Todd Grant at Granted Inc. in Castleberry. And it was a small private studio, which is what I wanted. I was a little burnout on the um, tourist and seasonal work and things like that. I really wanted to go somewhere quiet where I could build a clientele and kind of harness, find out what I was really good at and work, become a specialist in mm -hmm. something. And so he took me in. Uh, it was very hard moving to a new city where no one knows you, you know, no type of clientele at all in a private studio that mm. doesn't get a lot of walk-in traffic. He was a fantastic guy to work for. We're still very close. He's like a big brother to me, awesome. but um, I found it hard to make enough money in Castleberry to support not only the bills that I needed, but to have fun too in a city like that. So I ended up moving back home and I was working in Fort Walton. I was back, you know, in a tourist shop, long hours, uh, take whatever comes in the door. Not a lot of choice in what I got to do or how I kind of represented Wait, so myself. How long were you in the private studio? I was in Orlando for two years. Two years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then did you find any additional skill sets there? Like now that you've moved out of the mom and pop shop and you're in a private studio, did anything else like as an artist, did you start, I mean, was there other things that you hadn't done because of the environment that you now moved into that you were doing? Not, not like, but tattoos, but like any other kind of like shading or like any other kind of skills that you, that you had because clients were, you know, private and maybe they're paying a little bit more or they're willing to come back and repeat to do like bigger tattoos. Was there anything that you learned in the private studio? There wasn't so much uh, like new techniques that I really picked up as much as I was allowed to be given the space to really focus on what I was wanting to do. It's really where I feel like my line work got so much stronger 
and more consistent. And I was able to experiment with like dot work, pointillism, sacred geometry, the things that I was really wanting to do instead of being forced to do every single thing that walked through the door, no matter what. So I really think I found my happiness and my style while I was in Orlando. That's what I took from there. And I also got to experiment with a lot of different types of um, equipment. Yeah. Todd, Todd loves his toys. So while I was working at Granite Inc, he definitely encouraged me to try, you know, drawing on a tablet for the first time and trying my first rotary machine, which is like the pin shaped tattoo machines that mm -hmm. we use today that are a bit more quiet and stuff. And, um, you know, using good cameras to take photos of my work and things like that. So he kind of helped me learn how to also present myself as more of a professional artist to invest in good equipment that, you know, I have a nice looking portfolio because I'm using a good camera and um, my stencils are turning out better because I'm drawing on a tablet. I'm not using paper and pencil anymore, you know, things like that. So I definitely um, picked up a lot in Orlando that I needed I needed to know years earlier, but I forgot to ask. So, cause I wanted to do this at each place you worked, but what is the, what's the craziest tattoo you had to do during your apprenticeship? And then the craziest tattoo you did at Todd's place. Craziest tattoo during my apprenticeship. <laughs> um, man, was that, it on a butt cheek? That was so long ago. <laughs> I can't remember just one, but yes, it's mostly the butt tattoos. <laughs> That was a very big thing during spring break back in the beginning of my career. And I've done everything from an astronaut to the, you know, the dinosaur on the box of macaroni and cheese. I did that on a girl's butt. I've done hotel room numbers, YOLO. Uh, what Gosh, are some other good YOLO. ones? That was really, yeah. yeah. When that oh, was, oh, my best butt tattoo. I just remembered. Okay. I had two guys come in. And they, one wanted BR and the other one wanted OS. So when they were cheek to cheek, it said bros, but they, there was quite a height difference between them. And so I brought them into my room and I was like, you guys are going to have to drop trowel and get cheek to cheek for me to line these up. And then they started acting all weird. Like, and I'm like, I mean, do you want me to tattoo through your shorts? Like, what did y'all think was going to happen? I'm like popping my gloves on. And <laughs> so that, that was a really good one from my early career in at Granted. Hold on, wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> so was it off? Was like one on like high butt cheek and the other was like middle butt cheek? Like how did that? Yeah, I mean, so that when they were together, it lined up. But one guy's, it was like, uh, do you guys remember Jimmy Fallon? And what was the other guy's name from Saturday Night Live? And they used to wear a shirt that when they stood together, it was a straight line went through them. But it was like real high on the one guy and low on the other. Oh, yeah. It definitely was like that. <laughs> sorry, oh, that's just so funny. I had to, okay, so sorry. Go ahead. At granted, yes. At granted, um, most memorable tattoo. Oh, God. So it's never a good idea when a male calls the shop and asks if you have a female artist. Red flag number one. So we had a guy call, asked if we had a female artist. Of course, the guys that I work with, which were some big scary dudes, were like, you got nothing to worry about. Yeah, we got a girl here. And I'm like, oh, God, this is not going to be good. Guy shows up and he wanted a purple pinnacle right here on his face, like dead center of his cheek, right under his eyeball. And I'm like, huh, Did you say okay. pinna a pinnacle? Yes. So, you know, the circle that's got like a star in it, like the, the witchcraft Whoa. little pinnacle. Yeah, okay. okay. One right there, center of his face in purple. 
So I get him in my room and I'm trying to put the stencil on and get him ready. And he's just staring, (laughs) not blinking, just staring. And I'm trying not to make eye contact, though I can feel his eyes on me. And I mean, I lay him down. I do the tattoo and the whole time he's just staring and staring. And I'm like, I cannot get this thing done with fast enough. So I finally get it over with. And, uh, it was funny because I, f- I finally got him out of the shop. And when he was leaving, he was like, all right, thanks for everything. Bye, boo. <laughs> and the second the door shut, I was like, here it comes. Freak, Marvin, and Todd, all three of them. Hey, bye, boo. Oh, boo. such a good job, boo. Thanks, boo. Oh, God, I heard that forever. And it gets better because this guy left his uh, phone charger in my booth and he ended up having to come back to the oh. shop like 10 minutes later to get oh. it. And I was so freaked out by him that I hid in the back. Or I hid in somebody's room. I think I hid in Marvin's room. Someone. I was just like, <laughs> tell him I died. Like, I was just hiding in another artist booth. Like, oh, no. I just didn't want him to <laughs> like, stare at me again. That. Uh, it's funny because, like, I thought my my train of thought was like, ah, oh, guy, hey, girl. I, I thought it was going somewhere else. Oh, yeah. And then you just say, on the face, I'm like, okay, yeah. that's not so bad. But it was the way. The creepy staring. It's the creepy it was the staring. creepy staring. Oh, yeah. When they call and ask if there's a female, you're like, somebody wants a dick tattoo yeah. Yeah. or somebody wants a butt tattoo or something. You know what I mean? But no, he came in and was like, I just want to stare into your big brown eyes <laughs> for about <laughs> half an hour. And I'm like, <laughs> All right, man, but it's going to cost you like a hundred bucks. <laughs> wow. That is, <laughs> that's pretty funny. I, I hope people get to watch the video because the way you did it, like that's, that's so worth having the visual part of that. It's so worth it. Okay. Um, all right. So you're at Granite. And then, so what was your next move after that? You said it was two years and then you came back to Fort Walton beach area. Yeah, I got, I got really homesick actually in, uh, Orlando. Um, you didn't tell us, didn't you tell me a story about like some shady stuff that happened in the parking lot or something in Orlando? Oh, Orlando, baby, love it or leave it. Yeah, I think two people died in that parking lot while I worked there. One person was shot and then their car like ran into the building. They ended up dying. And another person, I think, got stabbed maybe or something. You know, city life. Wow. Man. That's, I mean, gee whiz. There were yeah. some characters who like to hang out behind the buildings and stuff too oh yeah yeah it was shady it was shady uh but god i love the dudes that i worked with though man they really kept an eye out for me they'd always like wait until they saw me get to my car and leave it before they'd get in their car and stuff like that yeah the the dudes they really watched out for me sort of brotherly type oh absolutely become part of that team Mm -hmm. that pack that family Mm -hmm. pack or whatever oh Mm -hmm. that's really cool that's really cool okay sorry so okay fort Walton beach sorry i was just curious so yeah i um I started getting really homesick in Orlando and I was visiting home more often. And because I was visiting home so much, I decided to find a shop up here to do guest spots at. That way I can make a little money while I was visiting. And so I ended up working at Tattoos Forever, which was owned by Jeff Bullard at the time. And um, so once I had decided to leave Orlando and move back home permanently, they, you know, were already comfortable with me, knew me, had room for me. So they opened up their doors and gave me a full-time position and I worked for them for two years. Yeah. Um, any new experience? Was it sort of like, oh man, I'm going back to somewhere where there's tourists now. Was there any heartburn with that? Or was it just sort of like 
the continuing evolution of like, at least I'm at home so I can deal with some of the more spring break type tattoos or whatever. I was so happy to be back home and around my family and my support system and my friends and the beach and everything. I was just on kind of a natural high that I wasn't too bothered that I was at another tourist shop and uh, it's hours were a little bit better. Uh, they wouldn't stay open past 10 PM, mm. which was nice. I used to, when I worked in Destin, I would work till midnight on the weekends and things. So you get burnt out pretty fast. So it had a little bit better hours and, uh, and I ended up really enjoying the staff. Some of the people that I worked with there, quite a few characters. That's where I met a uh, bus and I met Kurt, met Leah, met quite a few really cool people that I'm still in contact with today that I worked with there. Did you have any interesting tattoos that came out of that time frame that you were there? And I'm also curious if there's any difficult, like, like, cause I know I, I was going to ask earlier, but like in the, at the private tattoo, was that one of the first times? have you ever had to like, you said, Hey, I, I can do what I want to do more. Does that mean you got to turn down tattoos? Did you have that opportunity? And like, when, when was that? Was that in your Orlando time frame? Was that at the tattoo for Like when were you first like, Hey, I, I'm not going to be able to do that for you. Uh, in Orlando okay. was the first time I was ever really given the control of what I was doing and what I was not doing. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you do need someone to kind of put a boot in your ass and be like, hey, I know this is scary, but you really need to take on the challenge. Um, but in Orlando, it was more, you know, if you're not comfortable, you don't have to do anything you're not comfortable with because you can really see it in tattooing. If a person's heart is not in it and yeah. they're just not focused or they're not comfortable, you end up seeing it right. in the artwork. So, um, I think Todd valued his reputation and the comfort of his artists enough to be like, you are in control. If you don't want to come in today, you don't have to come in today. Yeah. If you don't want to do this tattoo. You don't have to, you know, right. if you want to split it into sessions, tell them. Sure. So. Were you able to bring that into the tattoos forever? Um, not as much. I mean, you can definitely say like, you know, by the time I was in Fort Walton, I was like, we all know I do not have the skill for realism. Don't ask me to do a portrait. Don't ask me to do, you know what I mean? So I was never forced to do something I wasn't skilled at, but did I want to do every little palm tree or wave or, you know, infinity symbol that came through? Absolutely not. Did I still do it? Yeah. Cause I had a boss that was like, somebody's got to do this and you're available. It's yeah. like, yes, sir. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. What was your interesting tattoo out of the forever? Tattoo? Oh, out of tattoos forever. Most interesting tattoo. <clears throat> you know what? Probably me and, and my colleague Bus tattooing each other. I think one of my favorite tattoos that I ever did and got while I was there was me and Bus tattooed uh, little dead roaches on each other before he moved away to Austin because we both have like this. Like she is terrified, terrified. of roaches. And so when she got that tattoo, I'm like, <laughs> so we both had a terrible roach experience at each other's houses. Like I had crashed at his house one night on a blow up mattress, woke up and found a roach in the bed with me. I was scarred. And then <laughs> he ended up crashing at my house one night on the couch and a live one like crawled on his face. And he said in the dark, he like kind of like did like this. And he said it was so big. He could hear it like the wall. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's Florida, man. There's roaches. Every, yeah, you know what right. I mean? So anyways, yep. it was funny because me and him left tattoos forever around the same time he moved to Austin, Texas, which he's still there now. 
And I ended up leaving to pursue mercy. So it was funny before we stopped working together, we were like, let's get a ugly little dead roach, like missing a leg with some X'd out eyes on our leg. <laughs> and it's the ugliest tattoo, but I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. So what made you, I, I'm curious, because I think maybe it started in your artistry, because I think now we're going to get into the mercy tattoo, right? Is that the next? Okay. Yeah. So so as the specialty goes, right, and I and I heard it, you said it was the um, sacred geometry, uh, pointillism, line work. When did you figure out, like, that was you? Like, because I, I know now, right, that's, like, exclusively, boom, that's that's you. Mm. Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Rihanna. <laughs> it took a second. It took a second again. Rihanna. Um, so, so quick joke, everybody, right? Cause I call her Rihanna and, and she's like, no, it's Rihanna. And I've, and I, it's hard for my brain to, everybody calls me Rihanna or R- Renee or Rena or what are some other good ones that you get all the time? Carly, Carly is the one that bless her heart answers the phone. Uh, Rihanna is definitely the most popular, but yeah. Rianne. They just Not forget the letter. Yeah, yeah. They just they see the first letter and the last one, and then they just make up the rest. I really feel like people just give up when they try to read my name. But yeah, people will call and be like, "Is Rena there?" And Carly's like, "No, we don't have one of those." <laughs> Sorry, I don't know who that is. So. <laughs> no, we have a Rihanna. Is that what you meant? Wow. Like Carly, straight yeah. up gatekeeper. Yeah. That's legit. I'm stuff. telling you, wow. man, she's gotten feisty in the past Ooh, few years. Wow. So. So when, when did you experience that was your, your skill that that's what you really wanted to focus on and like do exclusively? Um, I knew in the very beginning, uh, that I had good line work. I actually picked that up for my mentor, Sandy. Sandy has very strong line work and I think she was very, you know, slap in the hand and made sure that I had that skill in Orlando's when I really started experimenting with dot work, sacred geometry, things that people weren't really asking me for, but things I were, I was wanting to do. Um, in Fort Walton is when I started making a reputation for myself with that. And by the time I got to Mercy, I was able to kind of really push it and exclusively do that, have pre-drawn designs and be like, this is what I want to do. Who wants it? Mm -hmm. Or when I had Mm -hmm. consultations, like, you know, I'll do your idea, but leave room for me. Like I'd really like to get creative and maybe do a little dot work here. Maybe let's add a geo pattern here and, and people listen a little bit more now because you got to build to that point. It's again with like the apprentices that want to start today and they want to be just a pro out the gate. And it's like, you have to build your skill and earn these people's trust. Right. You know what I mean? People need to be able to come to you and be like, this is your stuff. Okay. I trust you to let you do your thing. Not just, you know, I'm a cowboy and I swear I can do it. And it's like, "Uh, no. (laughs) So uh, I'm curious now. So we're going to transition into the actual, like getting your own shop, right? Like getting your own tattoo shop. Is that the appropriate term? Shop studio studios probably. Is that more the official terminology? That's that's what we named ours. Mercy tattoo studio. I think because it is fancier. (laughs) Yeah. Fancier. Fancy name of the tattoo shop. Don't do fan. Don't fancy up your name. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. The business is fancy, not me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where did the title or name Mercy come from? That was all Rihanna. Yeah. So when I lived in Orlando, I used to have to drive past this road to get to work every day. That was called Mercy Drive, and it just stuck out to me, and I loved it. I thought it sounded beautiful, and I was always like, "Man, that'd be a cool name for a shop." Mercy, kind of fun play on words, you know, are they going to beg for mercy? Are they going to show me mercy? Am I going to ask for mercy? You know what I mean? Um, 
So that's where I first had the idea for the name. And I also wanted a name for the shop that was just very clear, legible. It's not easily confused with anything else. Mm -hmm. I didn't want a mouthful. And I wanted something serious. As, uh, you know, I got a pretty good sense of humor. And I've seen some pretty cool tattoo shop names like Sorry Mom Tattoo Company and stuff like that. But like I said, I wanted to go for something a little bit more upscale mm -hmm. and less comical. Yeah. 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 Professional. We're professionals. We're prof yeah. Professional. Carly had to be a part of it too, so I couldn't get too crazy. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, no. <laughs> so you you were able to do that, and then as far as like the design goes of the actual lettering, because I know that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. How how long did that take you? Was there a lot of trial and error with that? Um, it's I kind of had a vision in my head that I wanted to go for kind of this Art Deco kind of twenties vibe with it, and do something very clean and streamlined that male, female, it, whoever would gravitate to. So I'm like, okay, black and gold. That's really pretty high contrast, very classy. Do the art deco border. I ended up drawing that on paper. That was before I oh, was wow. working on uh, like iPads and stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, the lettering we just pulled offline. That was just like a stock font or something, but I definitely had to go to a graphic designer to kind of polish that thing up. Yeah, but It was, it was in my mind when i first designed it I was like I know exactly what I'm going for so you mentioned it a little earlier and um, I just want to because this is I think a big deal as far as like doing and getting your own company and your business is so like females in the tattoo industry right like that's that's just like you said male dominated there's difference so now you're you're getting to sort of that precipice or that pinnacle so what like so you experienced the, the verbal abuse and then did you just see that around other shop well I guess I, I'm assuming you've have friends or had other friends that were female tattoo artists, did they share in some of the same experiences that you had that sort of, I guess, you know, the rough around the edges and that made you who you were um, as a tattoo artist and a person and now going to be a business owner? Um, it's weird. I don't, I've never really sat and had conversations like that with other female artists. I didn't have the opportunity to work with a whole lot. I've pri primarily worked with males and I would say primarily, 99% of the males that I've worked with have all been very respectful and very supportive and um, very professional. Uh, every now and then there's a bad seed. I think most females in any industry will experience that. Um, and I think probably all female tattoo artists have experienced it in one way or another, whether it's coming from the clientele side or from their employment side. Um, I think, sadly, it's kind of one of those common unspoken things like all of us have a story we just yeah. don't feel the need to like relive it sure. you know because i think to be a tattoo artist as well you also need a, a kind of a special personality mm -hmm. you know what i mean you really need to know how to handle people handle handle yourself be tough and uh and so the females in this industry man we get through those hurdles and it's just like <sighs> Thank God that's over with on to the next, you know? Did you ever have to turn, have you ever <clears throat> actually like, cause I think you told me a story once, but have you ever had someone prior, prior to the business? Cause I think there was one in the business, but have you ever had to actually like stop midway through a tattoo and tell the people, the person to leave? Like, have you ever experienced that? I have had to do that. <clears throat> um, it's been a very, very long time, but yes, I had a client come in one time. She had a terrible tattoo on her lower back. She wanted it reworked slash covered. She wanted me to just do the best I could with it. I had her in the chair for maybe, maybe up to 
30 minutes, 45 minutes before I kicked her out of my chair. I mean, just the kicking and the wiggling and the unruliness and the lack of respect for what I was trying to do for mm -hmm. her. I mean, I just straight up, I just cranked the chair down and was like, get out, get out. Wow. Like, I'm not going to have my name on this if it's going to be that bad. So right. just leave. You know what I mean? And she was very shocked and just like, really? And it's like, I mean, I can't tattoo you if you're running around the room. Have you seen that? There's a meme, um, not a meme, sorry, it's a video, it's not a meme. It's a video on like, I think Facebook or something, it's a little snippet, and it's a lady in a salon cutting someone's hair, and the lady says something like super belligerent to, I think, the lady in the background, or someone's sitting there, and the lady's like, Sue, like, you can't say that, like, that's not appropriate, and so she just starts going to town, and she's like, all right, Sue, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. She's like, you can't ask me to leave, blah, blah, blah. She's like, mm -hmm. no, Sue. Like, I mean, apparently this is like a repeat customer. They've yeah. had business for a long mm -hmm. time, but she just like went over the top. She just, you know, whatever that may be. And so like, I don't know if it was 75% done. I don't know what the completion rate was for the haircut, but she was like, you got to go. Like, yeah. I can't have you here in my shop. You know, like I'm not going to, you're disrespecting myself and this other person that's working or sitting there or whatever. Like you can't be here anymore. Yeah. So that's an interesting aspect because you'd almost think it would be something like, Hey, they're being inappropriate. It's not necessarily the case. It's sometimes they're just like, they can't handle the situation, the environment, whatever else. And you're trying to coax them through or whatever. And they yeah. just, you're like, Hey, I, I'm so sorry. You're going to have to take off. Mm -hmm. oh, I think yeah. It's rare, but you definitely have had to check a few people on yeah. their behavior. Like, wanting to scream or mm -hmm. you know that's disruptive to everyone we're trying else to in like the studio party and, while they're there you know some people who are trying to like maybe sneak a drink in and stuff right. or things like that yeah you definitely have to control people and luckily as a female this is one of the perks of being a female in this industry is you can kind of be bitchy and get away with it mm. you know what i mean whereas a guy would come off really rude if he said some of the things that i said and people might not come back when i'm but you know if i walk up and i'm like hey you ain't going to act a fool in here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm the only fool allowed in this place. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll kind of laugh and like, okay, I'll behave. It's like, okay, good. Because I yeah. really don't want to have to throw you out of here. But Tourist um, areas, I'm sure, are pretty big. And the people probably coming in a little bit has some adult <laughs> beverages or whatever. So Absolutely. is that, before we move on to to the complete business instance, the last thing here. Um, so with the with the belligerent side, but really like, because I've asked you this before. So what is the like, no joke, like, hey, don't have a beer beforehand or have a beer after or like, like, what can you truly if, if like if I had a beer before I went and got a tattoo, am I OK? Like, or am I going to just bleed all over no, the you're place? You're going to die. Like, I mean, I, you know, well, I don't want to die, but that's, you know, I'm just curious. Um, So I have actually had clients before that were so nervous and had themselves so worked up before a tattoo that I would send them next door to like have a margarita real quick or have one shot just to take the edge off. Mm -hmm. Now, alcohol thins your blood. Obviously, you don't want that going on while you're tattooing. What happens is as your body is flushing blood out and I'm trying to pack ink in, um, I can't get the ink in, the blood will be diluting my ink. So you end up with kind of this washed out tattoo that ends up needing to be touched up. So you have to do the whole tattoo twice. Whereas if you were just sober to begin with, it probably would have looked fantastic and yeah. perfect. Um, what about fish oil? Does that do it as well? Um, not that I know of. Hmm. Not in my experience have I ever had any issues with people that have been taking fish oil, but um, yeah, one one drink, two drinks, not going to kill you before a tattoo. Mm -hmm. um, it's being heavily intoxicated. Like I've even had clients 
that drank the night before and partied so hard that the next day during their hangover, their blood was still so thin that I was having trouble tattooing them. Yeah. So, so if you want a good quality, probably not the day before or morning or afternoon of just like, just for the quality purpose, you can party after celebrate with some drinks. You know what I mean? Like drinking after a tattoo doesn't affect it at all. Mm. You know what I mean? But drinking beforehand is usually a, a no, no. Gotcha. If you're listening to this on a podcast medium, please find part two in the episode list.